In 200 AD, theologian Tertullian said, you can't undo anything you've already done, but you can face up to it. You can tell the truth, you can seek forgiveness, and then let God do the rest. We've been talking about that very thing these past few weeks, starting with the, the Feast of Trumpets at the end of September. That's the Annunciation of a New King. As we talked about then, that's really where the Christmas story takes place. Christ born while in the temple. They were celebrating the Feast of Trumpets somewhere in the September-October time frame. That was followed by 10 days of awe, 10 days especially to be committed to making right things we've done wrong and making recompense to those that we have dishonored. And then, a few days ago, then on the calendar, the 10 days after the 10 days of awe is what's known as the Day of Atonement, probably one of the more familiar feasts of the Old Testament, still very key in the New Testament, as we'll see all of it a foreshadowing of Christ. Of course, the Day of Atonement, that's the one day a year the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle or temple. Inside that Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, which contained then the Ten Commandments that Moses had. And the priest would enter in only that time of year once to make a sacrifice and put blood on the seat of the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies. It's also the day when the priest would place his hands on a, on a goat, and that goat, symbolically, he was transferring sin of the people to that goat, who was then led off into the wilderness, and a, a symbol of sin being removed from our lives. Of course, that's goat known as the scapegoat. So these things are, are very much known in our culture. Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s shares this about the Day of Atonement, that Day of Atonement happened only once a year to teach us that only once should Jesus Christ die. As we've talked before, it's also during the Day of Atonement each year, the book of Jonah is read. The book of Jonah is read because it is a story about second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Ultimately, you see not just in Jonah's life a second chance, but the city of Nineveh. And ultimately, it's a picture that even though they were far from God, nobody is beyond redemption. And that is the point being made there in the book of Jonah. That's why it's read on the Day of Atonement. It's, it's even key to keeping the calendar. You see here in the book of Acts here in the New Testament, chapter 27, Paul here, he was in a shipwreck, and Luke writes about that and says, sailing was dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So they marked their calendar by this day. The reason we talked much about the Christmas story happened during now is what's happening here in Acts chapter 27. After the Day of Atonement, it was too dangerous to sail. Why? Because winter was moving in. Weather was turning, and they simply did not sail after that Day of Atonement. And Paul here on a ship at that time, and he was in a shipwreck. So they marked their day, just like we might say, if it was around Christmas, we all know what weather would be like at that point. Well, they used the Day of Atonement to mark their calendars in that same way. Hebrews chapter 9 is the chapter in the New Testament most clearly explains how Jesus is the fulfillment of that Day of Atonement. Notice two things here, chapter 9, verse 11. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. 
and with his own blood he entered the most holy place. Notice here, he is both the high priest and he is the sacrifice. He is the high priest and it's his own blood. He fulfills both roles as he also fulfills the role of the scapegoat, taking our sin, burying it so we don't have to any longer, removing it from our life. All these feasts, again, fulfilled in him. Leviticus 16 is where the original commandments are given to Moses. Leviticus 16.30 simply says, This day of atonement, it shall be made for you to cleanse you. So on this day, atonement shall be made. Why? To cleanse you. Well, that word atonement, a few meanings in English. The first one is at one with. To be in harmony with someone, to cover, and most often in English translations of the Bible, it means to make reconciliation. Sin had separated us from God, and Christ became that mediator to reconcile us to heaven. Sin washed away. Leviticus 16, here's a picture here of several verses. We won't read that. I invite you to do so. But notice several commandments are given here in Leviticus 16. Well, notice what happens if I simply highlight one word here. You'll see if we highlight he or him, it's all throughout these verses. What's the point being made by that? Only Anthony makes it very clear. The ceremony during the feast shows us our proper response today to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. From the beginning to the end of the ceremony, People looked on in silence. They did nothing. Instead, they saw the work accomplished for them, but not by them. They had no hand in it. The only thing required was to know they were sinners. All he requires is a broken and contrite heart. All this highlighted here where you see he and him, that is the high priest. Originally Aaron, the brother of Moses, and after him his descendants. You'll notice though the chapter talking about the Day of Atonement, focuses only on his work because everybody else was outside the tabernacle or temple. They waited in silence. And they waited as the high priest entered in. He would do ceremonies to, to prepare himself, to confess his sin. He wore special clothing. And he went into the Holy of Holies. And if he did not do this with reverence, he could die during that ceremony. So the people sat outside in silence because if he did not make that sacrifice, then the sin still was upon them. They were, in a sense, holding their breath. And then when he did make the proper atonement, when he walked out of that temple, it said his face would shine like the sun. Such a joyous moment, and there would be an eruption a celebration as people could say, my sins have been atoned for. Notice Leviticus 16 highlights this very thing. It's one person here working. We're told no one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement. He alone did the work because he was foreshadowing. Christ alone finished the work. We play no part in earning forgiveness, securing forgiveness. It's all grace. 
by one sacrifice, we simply receive that promise that Jesus died, rose again, carried our sin far away. Charles Spurgeon, again, on this day, nothing was done by anyone as part of the business of the great day of atonement except by the high priest. And so it is Jesus Christ, the high priest, and he only works the atonement. David Liss, author, shared this. Choices are in our power, but consequences are not. Choices are in our power, but consequences are not. For those in that crowd on that day of atonement that sat outside in silence, when that priest came out, they knew their sins had been atoned for for another year. But they had a choice to make. Do they now live in accordance with that hope? Or do they go back to pursuing selfishness? We know by the time Jesus was walking in Jerusalem, it had become, for many people, a meaningless ceremony. They could not appropriately practice the Day of Atonement because the Ark had been removed and now lost to history centuries before that first century. So without the Ark and the Holy of Holies, they could not really practice that day. And it wasn't meant to be practiced continually. It was meant to show people they were separated from God, they needed redemption, and that one day the Redeemer would come. And when Jesus showed up, Caiaphas and the other high priests, they were going through the motions, but they were very corrupt. They had no intention of honoring what that day meant. So it is for us that every day we're faced with choosing, do I follow Christ or do I just do some religious stuff? Do I honor Jesus or do I pursue self? Do I just give him my sin and then go pursue everything I want with no thought for him calling us to a different way of life? Choices are in our power, consequences are not. Here's an example of this. This is Jim Rohn, passed away not long ago, an author and and an inspiring speaker, motivational speaker, touched millions of lives all around the world. But he said here was a turning point for his life. As a teenager, a favorite band had come to town. He wanted to go to that concert. The person that had the money, though, was his father. Problem was his father was very cruel. He wanted to go so bad though, he took a chance and went and told his dad how much he really wanted to see this band. Did he have some money for the tickets? He says his father sneered and looked at him and said, if you want to go to that stupid concert, then you have to beg me for the money. Something broke inside of Jim Rohn that day, certainly his heart, but he said something else where he was changed. And that change was permanent. Because in his father's cruelty, in his father's choice, Jim Rohn said, when I'm free of this man, I'm going to spend the rest of my life encouraging people, inspiring people, calling people, to live with love and forgiveness. He went on to do that very, very thing. Again, 
all around the globe. Choices. Hebrews chapter 9, let's go back and see, uh, starting verse 11. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Notice it says, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation, Christ entered the holy place, not made with hands, which are copies of the true, but rather he entered heaven itself in the presence of God. Again, everything happening in the earthly picture, a shadow of what takes place in heaven. Jesus did not enter the Holy of Holies on that earthly temple. What he did do is he entered the very throne of God. What he did do was enter the very Holy of Holies in heaven. In fact, as you read through Scripture, that copy there, the earthly temple with the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant inside, they were simply a metaphor, a shadow of the true throne of God. Something that John, as you read through the book of Revelation, struggled to put into human language when he tried to describe what he saw. It's the awesomeness of this day, the awesomeness of this moment. That Christ entered into the greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, he entered there as our high priest and as the sacrifice to lay down his life and take it back up again that we might find redemption, reconciliation with the Father. Our sin, we bear it no more. Martin Luther loved this quote. He says, we all carry about in our pockets his very nails. We all carry about in our pockets his very nails. The Day of Atonement is a day to recognize that it's my sin, it's your sin, it's the sin of the world for which Christ would have to die. So we recognize that things we've done made this day necessary for him to lay down his life, take it back up again. So we come with a sense of reverence, but we also then take that in that Day of Atonement, our high priest has emerged victorious, over death and hell and the grave. And so we celebrate and say, you know what, tomorrow, this day, every day, because of Him, because of His sacrifice, because of His grace, we no longer bear sin, what freedom there is in being set free from that. Years ago, I was listening to a speaker. His name was Steve, and he's a musician and a minister. He was talking about, he was at the hospital one day, and they asked him to, to please if he'd talk to a lady that had been admitted, she was suicidal and wouldn't talk to anybody else. He said, sure, I'll give it a shot. Went into the room, said hello. He said she was blank in her eyes, staring at the wall, didn't acknowledge him. He sat down, just said, I guess I'll just tell you about who I am and my family. For about an hour he talked. She simply stared at the wall. Finally, he got up to leave as he got to the door. She spoke for the first time and looked at him and said, why don't you want to kill yourself like I want to kill myself? He said, you know, in those moments, you're not ready for these big questions all the time. And so he just remembered the words of a song. And he said, you know what? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. 
She asked if he'd come back sometime. He did. Some other people came back that he knew sharing the gospel. She gave her heart to Christ. A month later, she went home. She eventually became very good friends with Steve and his wife. About two years later, she moved. Then about two years after that, he got a wedding invitation that she was getting married. And she signed it, I tree you. Steve and his wife, so excited, they went to the wedding. What a celebration, he said. They hugged afterwards, said, so happy how your life has changed. He said, I do have a question, though. In your letter, you said, I tree you. What does that mean? And she said, you know, Steve, everybody I know can easily say I love you. People say it all the time. But people do terrible things, and they've done terrible things to me. That's why I was in that hospital, suicidal. So I'm not sure I know what people mean when they say I love you. What I do know is if I look at a tree, it's beautiful. So I can relate to that, that type of beauty. So that's why I don't say I love you, I say I tree you. She said, are there trees in the Bible? Steve said, you know, the most incredible tree of all time is in the Bible. Christ died on that very tree so that we can know true life. You see, that's the day of atonement, not a moment on a calendar, the daily reality that we can embrace and celebrate and say, my high priest, my sacrifice, my scapegoat, he's called me to a different life. John Owen in 1650, a theologian said this, the purpose for a holy and righteous God was to save his church, but their sin could not go unpunished. It was therefore necessary that the punishment for that sin be transferred from those who deserved it but could not bear it to one who did not deserve it but was able to bear it. You see, that's the day of atonement. Hebrews 10 says that we now have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ, our high priest. Because he who promised is faithful. You see, Jesus entered that holy place. And now because he is our high priest and made that sacrifice of himself, he invites us to boldly enter in, embrace that relationship with God, enter that holy place of prayer and worship. Knowing as we enter in, our high priest declares us innocent and welcomes, welcomes us into that reconciled life. I was listening to James A. Allen at a, a seminar some time ago, and he does seminars on reaching goals and especially becoming debt-free. About 500 people present, he'd done the seminar many times. He said, here's the reality. He says, out of the 500 people present, 450 are going to leave and do nothing with the information. He said, of that 50 left, 40 will eventually give up in a few weeks when they see the work involved in making the big changes in life. He said that leaves 10. Of that 10, he said in a few months, nine will get caught up in other things and they'll stop moving towards their goals. He says though out of that 500, there is one. And that one, he says, they will do the hard work They'll make the big changes. 
they'll reach their dreams, their goals. The Day of Atonement. Again, it's about a different standard of life. You see, it doesn't matter what the majority do. It doesn't matter what most people do. It doesn't matter what's said on the media. The challenge for each of us is to say, you know what, I want to be that one in 500 who honor this day every day by making choices that honor Christ, by making choices that acknowledge His gift and His sacrifice, by making choices that we can say, this is what it's like to know reconciliation to our true heavenly home and our Father through Christ who is that high priest, perfect sacrifice, carried our sin away, and we bear it no more.